Jewish Latin Princess episode 144, Best of Jewish Latin Princess 2020, my favorite conversations, the ones I just can't stop thinking about. You're listening to Jewish Latin Princess podcast by Yael. Every week, get your dose of inspiration from the world's most uniquely talented Jewish women and from Yael herself. Seeking profound and practical ways to live a joyful, richer Jewish life? Welcome to Jewish Latin Princess Podcast. And now, Jewish lifestyle expert and bilingual blogger at JewishLatinPrincess.com, your host, Yael. Welcome to Jewish Latin Princess, everybody. I'm your host, Yael Trush. As promised, the next few days will be dedicated to highlighting some of the best episodes of the year, as well as some of my favorite conversations. As you know, Jewish Latin Princess has experienced incredible growth in 2020. I am so blown away and grateful. Hundreds of new listeners. And if you're one of them, welcome. I really appreciate everyone's engagement. It's been an amazing year for the show, and I'm so grateful for you for subscribing, for your emails, your DMs, your tags on Instagram, and all of it, and um, for being here in this four-year show. Yeah, it is almost. This show turns four years old in February, and it has experienced a lot along the way, including this pandemic, which I thought would slow it down, but it actually didn't. Here we are, and we have a great great 2021 ahead of us. I'm really looking forward to what's coming in the pipeline for the show. And I have immense gratitude to everyone who is listening, to everyone who has shared the show, commented, engaged with me, and those of you who've joined me on the podcast. Many of you have co-hosted the Ask Yael episodes, so a huge thank you to you. And today's show... I'll tell you, it was a difficult one to produce, to curate. It's a roundup of a few of my favorite shows, just a few. It's impossible to to do it all. And later this week on Wednesday, I'll bring you a few more of my favorites. Um, there's a part of me that really loves each episode I don't know, more than the next one. And I walk away from each interview saying, oh my gosh, that was just the best interview ever. And my family's like, oh, you said that last time. I just love them all. So it's really hard to pick. But the conversations that I'm going to highlight today, they're just a few of the conversations that, as far as I can remember, really stopped me on my tracks, really made me think. These are conversations that I had with guests on the show that stayed with me um, afterwards um, for quite a, quite some time. Um, there are parts of conversations that I remember vividly and that I use. I'll use that content elsewhere in conversation with my family, with my students, with my peers. So there's definitely lessons that I took home with me. There are episodes that moved me, taught me something either new or made me rethink some things or really grasp them. And the first one that I want to revisit is with Kaylee Saituni, who after battling MS, she was able to cure herself from this chronic illness. And she's now helping others do the same. Not only was Kaylee able to cure herself from MS, a condition that she suffered since the young age of 12, but she also underwent the tragic sudden death of her fiance. And yet she's not just surviving, but thriving and helping others do the same. This conversation was so impactful to me this year that I think I think moved me to play a bigger game in everything I do and take every challenge head on, knowing that there is nothing that I can't tackle. I mean, 
listen, when you listen to Z- to Kaylee speak, you realize that we can do so much more than we think we can. So listen to how she was given a terrible diagnosis. One of the few children in the US at the time with MS given pretty much no hope and no clear course of action in terms of treatment because she was such a young child and there was no president president for this condition and how to treat it at such a young age yet she refused to accept the doctor's predicaments as her reality. Even at a very young age she believed in the ability and the sophistication of the human body and moreover, in God's ability to deliver a different outcome than what the professionals, quote unquote professionals, decided would be her fate. Still, there was no light at the end of the tunnel. Everyone just said, you know, your body is basically degrading, which is not necessarily true for MS. Mm-hmm. Um, and they basically said, you know, like, go home, stay in a bed, don't, you know, don't exercise, don't use your body. Today, the approach to diagnosis is so different, because, you know, medicine understands so much more about MS, and that you need, you know, it's use it or lose it. But no, there was really no hope. And, and there, there were only three treatments available at the time, none of which had ever been used with a child with a minor. Um, and very few, there was, I was one of the first children in America to be diagnosed. So they were even saying like, you need to be on medication immediately, but we can't even advise you because like it's a against FDA guidelines B, we have no idea what the impact will be on your future as you, you write, as you go through puberty is like, they just had no idea what this would mean. So it was, it was a very, I mean, just everything was a blur. There was no clarity, no answers. So what became the new normal? Because I understand that despite the lack of hope presented by the professionals, you didn't, you, I guess you pressed the delete button to all those messages. And you, (laughs) you went to college. I mean, you went through high school and you went to college. I mean, just describe all that for us. (laughs) I hit the delete button. I love that. Um, Yeah, I mean, there was an inner knowing inside of me that, um, that just wasn't possible, that it couldn't be that, that this human, that the most advanced machine on the planet, right. The body was just that this is how that, that was going to go, that they said, you know, X, Y, and Z is going to happen. And that that's for sure going to happen. Now was that positive affirmation on your part? Do we give credit to your parents for that? Because again, it's it's such a it's such a powerful thing for you to tell yourself as a child do you think that is something that your parents were reinforcing were they also kind of resistant and going against the grain against what the doctors were saying um no i mean i think i think my parents were more in denial so you know for them it was like if if it wasn't listening to the doctor it was more just because like no this can't be happening Uh you know how is this real um, by you, which, it was different. By you, it seems like yeah. there was like a, a, a belief that, that no, yeah. that am I it right? was an intuition. It was an intuition. I didn't know what to do with it then. Uh-huh. What, it, what I did get, I, I believe for my parents was, was faith mm-hmm. and all throughout my upbringing, anytime we faced any challenges, my parents talked so much about God. Anytime anything came up, like mm-hmm. he'll get us through it. Don't worry. He's taking care of it. Well, so that sense of trust trust um, that's the real word yeah More that was faith. inside of me and even before even before i first saw 
a, you know, an MS, or a neurologist, because I went through so many doctors before I even got to the right department. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, even before that, because every day was so unstable, um, I really, the only constant for me became God. And wow. so I just naturally started talking to him every day. I don't know that I, I don't, I don't know if I had really prayed before outside of just the conversations that my parents shared with us, but that, that became my constant. And so that was, that was one piece of not necessarily, I mean, not necessarily how I hit the delete button, but how I was able to say like, okay, that may all be true, but I am choosing to trust that there's, you know, a a higher power. Yeah. Um, And then something else happened when I was in middle school that I think really, really created a huge like shift in my life. Mm -hmm. Um, when I, I went back to school after three months and, um, I still wasn't like 100%. I was still having some symptoms, but I was doing much better. I was able to go back to school and I I went to a sleepover with some girlfriends. We were in a, in a small private school. It was Mm -hmm. a handful of girls. And I I also, this is one of the memories I, I hope I'll never forget. We were playing like a board game and it was, it was based on like chicken soup for the soul. If you remember those books, Mm -hmm. um, and this question came up. I haven't talked about this in a while. <laughs> wow. Um, it's, I, I really, wow, I haven't thought about this in a while. It's bringing up a lot of emotions. Uh, so this this question came up, uh, who's your hero? And, um, and I, since I had been diagnosed, so many people had come into my life and to my family's life to help us in so many ways and provide support and guidance. And so I couldn't think of which one person I would pick who, right. who would suddenly helped and changed my life so much, including my parents, right? Like uh, they, they went from having like a 12 year old who's self-sufficient to, to suddenly like having to bathe me again, you know? Um, and so I did, I couldn't think of who would be the person I would pick. And all of the girls, I think there were probably about 10 of them together kind of looked at me and said, well, we know ours. And I remember feeling, <laughs> I remember feeling almost like left out, like, oh, so they all made a decision without me, you know? And, uh, cause we're kids and, and they proceeded to share with me how my experience and the way I was handling it had changed their lives. Wow. And, um, and you know, I, none of that was, was occurring to me at the time. Like I didn't see any of that. I was just trying to survive Mm -hmm. and, um, and wanting to do my, to do anything to just be a kid despite having to suddenly, you know, take care of my own medical treatment and give myself shots every day and learn a new way of being and a new way of life. And so I, you know, I didn't have time to even process that anyone else was even noticing. And, um, that was, a, that was a life-changing moment for me because I realized, I think that for me was what allowed me to see that nothing is, nothing is random mm-hmm. and that there was a reason, you know, I was facing this illness versus, someone else versus, you know, God forbid any of my classmates. Um, because somehow I did have the strength and somehow I was able to do it in a way that was inspiring others without realizing it. And so in that moment, I really, it actually gave me even more strength to say, okay, well now I'm going to like really, you know, show up for this in a totally new way and look at, you know, who I want to be in the world and how I can share this experience to help others. So I really became much more proactive about it. And, 
And I educated myself more on the illness and on, you know, other people's experience with the illness. And so I then became sort of the expert sitting with in every doctor's appointment. And I, that's what really, I think, made the shift in um, in the process of my illness. And, you know, I've seen time and time again, the, the power of mind over matter. Mm-hmm. And I think the moment I realized I was handling it well, like I didn't know it because you're sort of in it. Right. But the moment I got that feedback, I realized like, oh, I need to harness this. Yeah, it, empo- uh, it empowered you. It absolutely it, empowered. You realized you're not a victim of this situation. Yeah, yeah. But again, it's so incredible that um, it's such a young age. It's such a young age that we're talking about now. If and you get you start on a on a journey on a healing journey. Uh, mm-hmm. When did that happen? At what point? And 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 I guess what what um what prompted the the journey towards complete healing if that's the correct i'm not sure if that's Mm -hmm. even the correct answer but like was there a tipping point i guess that's my yeah yeah definitely so um i was i was already doing pretty well because like i said it's mind over matter and so my baseline at a certain point i mean I was very sick through middle school and high school, even parts of college. But after college, I really was able to get the disease under control and and really create a solid baseline of health, even though I was still having symptoms um, from time to time. And And you were under medication all this time. Yeah, definitely. Oh, yeah. Oh, if you could see the piles Uh of medication that I... I used to, I used to have friends come over and we would just set out like the next, you know, several weeks and we would all like create all the pill boxes together. Like that's what I did for fun. Right. Um, (laughs) so, um, so anyways, so, um, when I made Aliyah, um, in 2015, I, um, I, I had this profound moment where for a few days after I made Aliyah, I couldn't use one of my hands and it was so interesting because like that was a relief that it wasn't anything worse that I could still see and I could still walk. And after such a stressful, I mean, it was such a high in my life, mm-hmm. but it's a stressful thing to like pack up your whole home and move. Um, was yeah, it, was it- I, I was, I was even going to say like, it's already so bold. Why not stay on your comfort zone? Like I'm assuming <laughs> you've graduated college. I'm assuming you're managing, keeping a job. I don't know. And yeah. you know, like white rock the boat. <laughs> yeah, no, that was that it, just cause it was always my dream, but that was everyone's question. They all went like, what are you thinking? What's going on with medical care? And it was, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, everything I had to just line up in advance to make sure I would have proper medical care. Like, there was, there was such a process and did your parents uh, think you were taking a huge risk? Um, they were definitely nervous. They, they knew my entire life. They, they sort of knew I was going to end up in Israel. My father's Israeli and we went a lot growing up. They sort of just knew like I was drawn to it, Mm -hmm. but when it came down to it, you know, there were a lot of fears. Everybody was holding their breath. Yes, that's exactly right. Everyone was holding their breath. Um, and and it was almost expected that like I would get there and be sick, that mm-hmm. I would that I would go into what's called an exacerbation, which is when your MS symptoms get much worse or you get a lot of new symptoms. And that that would have been normal. And there I was not being able to use my hand, staying with friends right until like I found an apartment and all of that, needing people to just help me, like even just open a bottle of water 
or open a bag of chips, things that like we don't think twice about mm-hmm. and or even dial the phone, you know, uh, make a phone call. And um, and I just went to be able to say like, oh, well, I'm lucky it's not worse. I was like, no, that's that's not OK. And I just I was laying in bed again, just days after getting to Israel, just saying like, this is not an OK way to live. I don't want to spend the rest of my life feeling like I'm lucky that I'm not blind, even though I can't use one hand, you know? And I just said, like, I can't live this way. I need to find another way. And and that voice from that 12-year-old that always had this intuitive knowing that the body certainly should have the capacity to heal um, kind of came back and I went, okay, that's been on the back burner and now it's time to do this. So that was sort of my tipping point. Kaylee Zaytunia is now completely cured of MS to the surprise of the medical professionals and teaches others how to heal from chronic illness. You can learn more from Kaylee at KayleeZ.com and you can check out her podcast, Lemonade Land as well. And if you'd like to go back and listen to this full episode, it was episode 122, which aired in April. On a similar note, I had an eye-opening conversation with Vitality Coach Hannah Mason on the way we think about our own thinking, so much redundancy here, but the way we relate to our thoughts and the power we yield to them without questioning them. While I knew very much about the power of mind over matter, the way Hannah taught me how to question those thoughts um, and see how often we are literally lying to ourselves and actually we have the capacity to find the truth by questioning those thoughts so that we release ourselves from the prisons that our minds hold us hostage in it was pretty mind-blowing inside of each of us is the wisdom to really know what's true and what's right we just need to create a space to to ask questions and allow truth to to arise and to come up to the surface and so like that's why I see what I do as much more of a facilitation process where it's mm-hmm. like if I ask good questions, you know, people's wisdom will arise and they'll just come to so much understanding on their own. Um, and the other thing is there's this really, really cool thing that I don't know how I put this together, but Byron Katie was always talking about how, um, you know, when when something is what she wants in life is to be happy. Yeah. And when she's believing something that makes her unhappy, she'd rather believe something else so that she can experience joy. And at some point, I put that together with just a basic understanding of how lie detector tests work. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. Because most of us struggle to connect some of the heebie-jeebie spiritual stuff yeah. with like practical science. Yeah. So here's some practical science. Let's hear if it. You, if you get connected to a lie detector test. Yeah. Okay. How does it know you're lying? I have no idea. Why don't you tell me? <laughs> so if your body, really simple, if your body goes into a stress response, uh-huh. it knows you're lying. If your heart rate goes up and your palms get sweaty and your breathing goes shallow, if you go into an adrenal response, into mm-hmm. a stress response, the machine goes crazy. Mm-hmm. If you stay open and present and calm, the machine is quiet. Could you so, be lying? Could you actually be lying and still be present and calm and open? There are people who are like really, really good at over, you know, a kind of like, um, what's it called? At tricking the system. Uh huh. But if you're not working really hard to trick the system and you just really want to know what the truth is for mm-hmm. yourself, mm-hmm. then your body's going to tell you. Yeah. Okay. So what that means is that your body intrinsically has a yes or no truth lie mechanism embedded into it. 
Mm-hmm. And all you have to do is listen. But most of us have been trained to look outside of ourselves for truth as opposed to inside of ourselves. Right. And as soon as you get that, then you're like, oh, wow, as soon as my body starts to tighten up, as soon as my heart starts to race, as soon as I, my posture sinks or I feel sad or closed or angry, I know I'm believing something that's not true. And in addition to the fact that that just feels yucky, which mm-hmm. who wants to feel yucky? That's just a bummer. Mm-hmm. In addition to that, I also know I'm believing something that's not true. And so I can simply ask myself a really simple question. What am I believing right now that's making me feel this way? And I can put pen to paper and answer that question. Mm. And then I can start to question the thoughts that come onto the paper. And that's the best way for me to be able to explain that is to really, you know, to show you. If you want to hear how you can practice this yourself, well, I volunteered during the conversation with Hannah. I volunteered for her and I presented to her a personal situation that brought me stress. And she walked me through the entire process of inquiry, which revealed not only the lie behind my thinking, but how to find the truth. Really, really fascinating episode. Listen to the whole conversation on episode 131, which aired in May. And you can also find her book, Hold That Thought, and everywhere, everywhere books are sold, Amazon certainly, which walks you through this whole process and helps you gain mastery over your thinking. That book is, the title is, again, Hold That Thought. Now, this guest's next guest is Doris Horenstein. She's the author of Moments of the Heart and keynote speaker who is an expert in relationships and on positive psychology. She was someone who pitched herself to me and we, were, we went back and forth until we connected. And I'm so, so grateful that we did. What started out as a project to provide strength and to shower love onto her sister when she was diagnosed with cancer turned into Doris's first book and then evolved into a thriving career as a public speaker and educator in the field of, like I said, relationships and positive psychology. Doris is a natural connector. And one of the things that she shares in the interview is on the courage, the courage that we have to have to follow our heart and our intuition. Um, that if when we have it, that intuition that we need to be maybe serving the world in a bigger way. And by connecting to that desire, as well as with other people in a genuine way, we can go places we didn't even anticipate. So here's Doris and courage and a lot more. Still, I just wrote them down, not thinking that it will be a book. I thought it would be a little, you know, folder and I will keep it as a memory thing for my children to know what their mom did. Right. And, and, and my grandchildren will see it and all that kind of stuff. And then I had this idea. I said, Doris, maybe somebody else want to read it besides you. Right? Why are you keeping those gifts to yourself and to your family? Maybe other people want to read that. And that was the reason or the beginning of my switch in my head that I need the world to be my classroom. Mm-hmm. That was That's what happened because until at that time, I was working as an education director in a conservative synagogue in Portland, Oregon. And in 2018, in, in February of 2018, I remember this day vividly. I was going to visit my sister in Israel. I was going to fly. My girlfriend comes by and gives me a book and says, Doris, read this book on the plane. And okay. I, didn't see, I didn't see the title of this book. I just put it in my backpack. The next day I go on the plane, I get the book out. I'm on the plane, the seat by the window. And the book is, The Universe Has Your Back. <laughs> the name of the book. And I did not know Gabriel Bernstein before. And I'm reading it and I'm literally sobbing. Mm. I'm thinking, Doris, 
she called it the universe. Mm. I call it God. Right. God has your back. What does your heart want to do? And when I landed in Israel, 20 some hours later, I called my husband from the airport and I said, honey, I'm leaving my job. And he's like, what? <laughs> Maybe we should talk about it some more. And I said, yeah, yeah, we can talk about it. But just so you know, this is the plan. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I did. And it was absolutely miraculous. I left July 1st, 2018. And then in just about a month, six weeks later, my book was accepted in, with a publishing company. And six weeks I left not having a publishing company, not having a website, nothing, nothing. And again, by connecting, level number two relationship, Mm -hmm. I'm connecting with people I don't know. I met somebody who is a published author. I reached out to her, being courageous, and I said, can we talk? And she said, of course. So she came over and we had dinner here at my house. And I asked her about publishing a book. And she said to me, Doris, I can publish, I can connect you with my publishing company. Mm -hmm. And I said, that is fabulous. That is fabulous. So I called them and literally within six weeks, I had my book published and my book accepted. And then it took a few months. And and I want to get to this. I want to dive a little bit deeper because I think it's so important for people to hear because not only has the the book didn't just stay as the book, the book has led Doris onto stage. The book has led Doris onto now a podcast. And when I talk about stage and we can get into this in a minute, I'm talking talking to corporations with this message that essentially came from her Jewish upbringing and her Jewish knowledge. You were a Jewish educator. So back, backtrack a little bit here. I just want to want to dissect this a little bit for listeners. You obviously had it had in you this desire for a while that you knew your voice needed to you needed to serve in a bigger way you were doing fine you were serving the children the institution all of that but there was something in you that felt there's more here and that voice stories is very often very challenging for us to listen to and act upon there's so many fears there's so many other voices external voices maybe internal voices that we listen to that kind of hold us back and keep us in our comfort zone so I want to highlight this because this is such an important topic for women to understand that that there is a I mean and I'm not saying everybody has to become a motivational speaker I don't think that's the point the point is there's that voice inside how do we listen to that how do yeah, well, this is this is beautiful. I you are absolutely right. It takes courage. It takes That's courage. what it is. It's a courage. It's a courage. And to understand and you have to sit with yourself. Yeah. You have to sit in quiet with yourself and you say, is this where I think I need to be? Now, I could have continued being in the Jewish education world, in the synagogue, until I retire another mm-hmm. 10 years. I could have. But in my soul, yeah. in my gut, I had this feeling that this is not God's purpose for me. Mm-hmm. And I knew that to get to where I needed to go, I needed to muster courage. Right, right. But, but courage is something that we sometimes take on blind faith and hope that it will 
happen. We right. have to literally leap into this. You know, what does courage really mean, right? It comes from French, the word courage, uh, origin in French, which means cuir, which means the heart. Mm-hmm. But in Hebrew, courage is ometzlev, the adoption of the heart. Mm-hmm. So what did my heart tell me, right? For some people, they're, you know, if they listen, for all people, if they listen to it, and really in tune in, mm-hmm. not listening to what other people say, right. but sit in the quiet of their own the quiet. heart, the quiet in their own heart and say, where do I want to see? And it took me, it didn't happen overnight. It right? I went to Israel in February, I left in May, but, but that idea of, is this my goal? That was for the last maybe two years before that. Mm-hmm. Thinking, is that where I want to be? Mm-hmm. And I started to feel the antsiness feeling mm-hmm. that, that there's something else that needs to happen, that mm-hmm. the world needs to be my classroom, that, that while it is wonderful that the people who come into the synagogue walls meet me and are inspired by me and that I serve them, there are so many other people that don't come to my circle, right. to my to my where I am. And and what about the people who are not Jewish? I remember saying to myself, I want to be or Lagoim. How can I be a light unto the nation when I am in a building? I need to be out. Mm-hmm. I need to explore other people. And that time, by the way, almost everybody that I knew was Jewish. Mm-hmm. I had Jewish education for 30 years. I did not know non-Jews unless they were parents of my ch- of one child that went to a public school. Everybody else was Jewish. So I said, okay, Doris, you need to start seeing what's out there. And when I left, I said, okay, I'm going to join Toastmasters because I want to refine my speaking skills. Mm-hmm. I want to join different networking. And I went, I re- and I remember going to a conference Literally, I did not know. I knew one person there. And I just said, I'm just going to go to the conference. It's a speaking conference. Let me see what I can learn. Mm-hmm. Not Jewish. And out of that conference, the founder of the Superwoman Summit met me there. And so it happened that during this conference, you had to put your name in a little basket. Mm-hmm. And one person's name was going to be drawn out to come on the stage for a 90-second thing mm-hmm. on the stage. My name was pulled out. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> so here I am on the stage, and I w- had to do this task of using humor in a 90-minute speech. 90-second. 90-second speech. And, and, and I say in front of 220 people there, and I say, I don't think I'm funny. <laughs> I don't, I don't know. I've never been. I'm not. I'm like not a comedian. I'm not funny. And and the and the woman who ran the conference, Danielle, she says, "Oh, for sure you're funny. I can feel that you can be funny. It doesn't mean that you have to be a comedian, but you can have humor in your speech." So I thought for a second. I was like, "Okay, what am I going to say? Ninety seconds, right? I have to to think humor." So. I decided I'm going to talk about this whole Adam thing that I mentioned earlier to you, but I'm going to act out because he was naked and I was going to say, and this is a group of non-Jews, and I said, you remember Adam, you know, the guy, no clothes, and I was doing this face thing in my hand, and they, they were cracking up. They were cracking I was like, oh my, oh my God. So I came down off the stage, and 
Jessica Williams, who is the co-founder of the Superwoman Summit, she, she and I connected, and then we went to coffee, and I'm thinking I'm going to coffee just to give her my good book, just to connect. Right. Within 15 minutes of the coffee time, she says, would you like to be my keynote closing speaker on my summit? Oh, my gosh. I, I did not know she was talking to me. I was like, I was looking, is she talking to somebody? Me? Is it me? Is it me? Yes. So sometimes life is like that. You, you, you do the courageous things, right. and God make sure everything else lines in place. Yes. So, so yes, a hundred percent. So much here. I mean, the quiet to really listen to that inner voice, the taking those acts of courage and following the trail, you know, like God puts the sign. So follow the sign. Oh, you're invited to this. Okay. So I'm here. Oh, I have to speak on stage. Okay. And like, just follow the signs and you will It'll lead you there. And not only that, if we think about the fact that, again, going back to the circumstances in our lives, those years in Jewish education, my dear, come on, like they made who you are today on stage and your message. So again, it's not like when we're reinventing ourselves, we're really closing a door or, you know, we want to leave something behind. It's not this dramatic thing. Like, I don't want this for my life. It's I'm bringing all of it and serving in a slightly different way, but it's all of me, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Everything that we go through life is the step for the next piece in our life. Right. You know, right. it's not like we got to the top, not walking up the stairs. Right? Exactly. <laughs> it's, we don't end up up here without actually going. We up, have to right? walk the we steps, walk but up. we have to take the stairs. We, we can't to- just stay standing there looking up. <laughs> exactly. And you know what? It reminds me of the of the, the Beta Mikdash, right? Uh-huh. How it, feel? it didn't have steps. It had a ramp. Ramp. Now, why did it have a ramp and not a step? Rabbis, I learned from rabbis, and it was a beautiful, beautiful teaching, that sometimes when there is a step, it scares people to take a step because it's a whole new level. Mm. But if you think of it as a ramp, then you do, you go slowly, but oh, you keep on going I like up. that. You right. Keep going up. So, so think of going, me speaking at the keynote speaker at the Superwoman Summit, and then, and then invited in a weird turn of events to speak at the standard insurance <laughs> keynote speaker and, and keynote speaker at the evening gala for women in financial services. I mean, <laughs> all of this is a ramp. You know, you just keep on going. You just keep on going. And you never know what one step leads you to the next step. But here is one that I think a, a common thread mm-hmm. that, that we need to always keep in mind. Mm-hmm. And that's do it with kindness. Oh. As you walk up the ramp, as you walk up the ramp, do it with kindness. And again, if you divide kindness, kindness to yourself. Yeah, I was going to say, oh, brilliant. Go right? on. If, if you fail, if you things did not work as well as you planned, Self-compassion, kindness to yourself. It's okay. It's Mm -hmm. okay. It didn't work out this way. Maybe this way will be better. Maybe that's the intention that I learn what not to do to learn what to do. Mm -hmm. You know, and then kindness to other people. Exactly. Kindness to other people because sometimes you're going to face as you continue on your ramp wherever you're going, right? You know, and I'm not talking about only for entrepreneurial people, but whatever it is that we're going. Because each and every one of us is on a ramp somewhere. Right. So as you go on the ramp, don't 
don't put aside or, or think that it's not important how you treat people, mm-hmm. kindness to other people. And in turn, kindness to other people will will pay you three times fold right. because it will be kindness to you. Right. And and if nobody's watching, God is watching. Mm-hmm. So nobody's there, God is there. So it boils back to those four relationships. I love it. And I do want to highlight for everybody that when we're talking about Doris being on stage for these corporations, she's actually giving the the audience these same messages that she's telling us here. So talk about, you know, like, I just want to emphasize and people to understand and this is her this is her background her jokes from her very Sephardic family her knowledge of the Hebrew language I've seen you I've watched videos how you explain it people love it people love it because that's you mm-hmm. that yeah. is so, you. So, talking about being authentic right never pretend to be what you're not mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. then and then strengthen your strong things right strengthens your strength right and and, and not worry about your weaknesses right. because we all are weak at some things, right? right? Decide what are your strengths? Mm-hmm. What are the things that make you good at what you do? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. then and then get those better. Right. Don't right. worry about being good in everything. The rest of this interview can be found on episode 129, which aired in July. You can find Doris at DoriseHornstein.com and you can check out a lovely interview that she recently aired on her podcast, Moments of the Heart podcast, episode 91, where I had the pleasure of being her guest. And there you can go learn about my life's philosophy, my why, and how my work has evolved over time. And that's today's Best of Jewish Latin Princess 2020. Please join me again on Wednesday when I will air again a Best of 2020 related to money, a topic that, as you know, is important to me. I care that every Jewish woman has a sound financial education and has a positive relationship with money and ultimately achieve financial freedom. Freedom from worry, freedom to finance her values, freedom to serve her creator with her money in a beautiful way. Money is just a topic that was also at the forefront of many this year due to the pandemic and the financial impact it had on many people's lives. And of course, it is the year that I finally started formally teaching a financial freedom program, something that I had been toying with, but I hadn't really delved into until this year. And I'm so grateful that I did, did because I've been able to develop and to grow a signature program, which is now on its fifth run of the year and getting stronger. I initially had named that program Jewish Money Makeover, as many of you know, during its first three iterations, and eventually have been teaching it in Spanish as God wants you to be rich, which is what I think I'm gravitating towards. So on that note, if you want to join the wait list for the next round of God Wants You to Be Rich early 2021, which I am thinking might be in English, although the requests are coming from both sides. So I don't know which team is going to win. Um, so, but e- either way, if you want to join that wait list, it's very, very beneficial because when I do open the doors, I'm going to open it first for that wait list. And the people on that wait list, we're planning really, really great bonuses for those people who are going to register early to the program. So head over to jewishlatinprincess.com forward slash wait list. There is a lot that my team and I are putting together. And so head over there and let us know that you are interested, that you've been waiting for this to happen. And so finally, if you want to hear more about uh, more of my, my favorites from guests who really brought this year an honest, fresh and empowering approach to money, don't miss Wednesday's show because I think you're really, really going to enjoy it. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button and leave a review and rating. And I hope you have a wonderful day.
Thanks for listening to Jewish Latin Princess Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe on iTunes, leave a rating, and share the podcast with the Jewish women you love. To access today's show notes, ask Yael a question, or suggest a uniquely talented Jewish woman to be featured on the show, visit JewishLatinPrincess.com.